Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have with us Andrew Peak. Andrew Peak. Andrew, how is your week? How are you doing? It's, it's been a great week. It's it's a little weird. I don't know if you saw on the news, but Florida is trying to go on Florida time. Did you see that? What does that mean? Like that is beyond sp- East Coast time? So we are, I get them confused. You know, we switch, what is it? October, November, we go backwards. And right now we're going uh-huh. forward on Sunday uh, at 2 a.m. So what they are trying to get to, to pass is once we go forward on this Sunday, an hour, we will stay there. And so oh. it's October, November, like savings time. I, I get them confused. I don't know. That's not Florida time. That's Indiana time where I went to school at Taylor University. That's crazy time. They, they, we never changed time zones. It stayed the same. It uh, is crazy. Northwest Indiana um, and somewhere else uh, does the same thing. They never change time. And I think it's that's genius. Well, it's just good. making things up. It's nice. And, and <laughs> how's your, your week been? <laughs> oh, week was good. Uh, took a trip to Edmonton, a whirlwind uh, tour Ooh, there cold. to go see one of our builder partners. Yeah, it's always further north than I remember. Um it's, it's a it's, ways out there. I always, next time I'm there. going to Alaska, the next time I go that way, I'm going all the way to Alaska. I've always wanted Might to get well. there. Super jealous of Meredith Oliver that she got to do that. Um, and that. Uh, word leaked out that uh, nominated for 40 Under 40. So that was that was cool. From that Professional is awesome. Builder magazine. Very cool. Very cool. Um, what that means is there's at least 39 other people smarter and better than me. But I, I slid <laughs> in there. Um, so it's been a good week. Let's uh, let's get into story nice. time. What what story do you have for us today? This is a super exciting story. It actually happened today, about uh, eight forty five. I was going through my email, clearing everything out, and there's this community that is about five minutes from my current house that I've been. I'm on I'm on their VIP list. It's coming soon, and you know the time we might be. You know where we're looking for a four bedroom home. Like oh this might this might line up perfectly. This would be super cool. So I'm I'm excited. I open it up. They're releasing the floor plans. You know, this is like, will this work or will it not work for mm-hmm. us? You know, because they they hide the information to keep you engaged and excited about it. Open yeah. it up. I'm like, okay. They're from like 2,100 to 3,000 feet. Quite a bit of range there, um, but up to the amount of bedrooms that we need. And there's not much new construction at all. In I'm in Pinellas County. There's just no room. It's built out. So anything new is exciting. Uh, most houses yeah. are 50 years old. Old plumbing, you have old plumbing problems, old roof problems, all that stuff. It's no fun. So new construction sounds super exciting and very nice to me. Open it up, look at a floor plan, like, oh, this one looks like it would work. And this is a very big builder, tens of thousands of homes per year. I'm like, they have to have pictures somewhere of this floor plan, somewhere. So I go on their website and they have the search bar at the top, which is cool. Uh-huh. Not every builder has that. So I'm like, oh, there's there's hope here. I type it uh-huh. in the floor plan name, pulls up the floor plan page. I'm even more excited. Open it up, <laughs> and what do I see? What do you, what do you think? Um, either a black and white line drawing, maybe a rendering. They were the watercolor renderings, so at least there was some you know, oh. tranquility to it. But there's four the exterior. The dream. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. It was, it was, I was very disappointed. I'm like, I've know you've, you've probably built like 300 of these. How do you not have a <laughs> single picture? And maybe they did somewhere else. Like maybe if they had um, quick move-ins that had that floor plan and different elevations, whatnot, they had those pictures. But on the floor plan page, I, I think we would expect to find those pictures of, of that. 
But no, you didn't. But no, I did not. So <laughs> so who knows? So moral of the story is I'm not committed to that anymore because I'm like, I have no idea what this really looks like. And I could I could look at the dimensions like, okay, this room is that, this room is that. But it's you really don't get a feel for it. I can't go and email okay, it loaded to question, Loaded question, yep. Andrew. Mm-hmm. If they had shown you photos of similar but different houses and said, hey, this is an L-shaped kitchen of a model we built before, and we're going to build an L-shaped kitchen in this elevation, would you have cried foul? Um, would you have said, No, I think it would have been work? okay, because that was my concern on there, was the kitchen seemed not the open concept model. Like, currently now you walk in our home, and it's you see mm-hmm. family room, living room, kitchen, and it's all right there. So it looks a lot bigger than it actually is. And so that's we like that. And you could also see, we have three kids, we could see... Kids over here, kids over there, kids over there from one from one view or watching everybody. And this was like, how is this even looking? And that was my concern was the kitchen into the family room and dining room. It looked like it was a little closer than I would like. Yep. So, yeah, just something would have been better. At least now, if you ask the architect, if you had asked an architect or someone in their in their drafting department, they would say, well, it's on the floor plan. Like they should be they able would. to look at that and know, <laughs> is it open? Is it not Um, and we obviously look at a lot of floor plans ourselves and we do, and yet you can't always tell what, what that's going to translate to, you know, if there's upper cabinets or lower cabinets only, so it is open above, or is it closed off? You know, it it can be tough to, to look at that stuff. If you're, even when you're a professional, just not quite an architect. Definitely. (laughs) So the buyers want the pictures, get them, get them invested. Show me the pictures. Uh, pictures. There's a joke. There's a joke or t-shirt line in there somewhere. Ooh, that's a well, good my t-shirt. story is uh, that I finally crossed the line and purchased a Peloton bike. Now, I have been biking um, pretty consistently now for the last three and a half, four years. I've watched the Tour de France for a long time. Ooh, and the they originally started advertising this bike. The company that, that now does this particular bike started advertising something similar probably almost four years ago. And I wanted the bike then. Um, and then when they repackaged it to the current way that it is, and this is the bike that has, you know, the live classes and on-demand classes and, uh, does all the social tracking and, um, just, okay, there we go. It's, it's a slick package, um, that they came out with and it's, and it's done well and they've just done a ton of advertising and I have really, really wanted this bike for at least the last year and a half. And they just keep, yeah, they just keep remarketing. (laughs) They just keep showing me stuff. They're just there all the time. And, um, finally I wanted it so bad that I just asked my wife, I said, would you, would you use something like this? Um, and she hates biking really. And, and I said, but it's really cool. It's got video and you know, it's, it's streaming in and you, you can see a leaderboard. It's so awesome. And, and she said, well, I might. And immediately my mind just did the math and I said, great. Then I can cut that cost in half essentially. Cause there'll be two people using it. I can justify making this purchase. And went and did it that night before she changed her mind and, and said, wait, don't do that. Good choice. But just the idea of hanging around is kind of the story for me is, you know, uh, I forget where this is not in part of our news uh, machine segment, but someone just did a updated report and said that millennials are taking the shortest amount of time yet in searching for a new home. And it's still 2.9 months. And... <laughs> So, you know, and boomers were stretching out there, you know, well into the four or five month period. And again, that's an average. So there's going to be people shorter and longer. And I think one of the themes that that 
we've really started focusing even more time and attention on. We know we all know remarketing is is out there, and we've used Google Display Network to remarket to our website visitors. But um, you know, remarketing on all social channels uh, and channels period that are out there. I think it just makes so much sense, especially ones where you don't have to pay per click, but can just, or where you do pay per click so that you can get all those additional impressions for free. Yes, no one's ever going to click on them potentially, but you're hanging around there. Just like I never clicked on a Peloton ad that I saw, but every time I'd go back to the site, I got remarketed to again and I did see them and I did pay attention and I lusted for those um, until I was able to justify it. But who knows how long... It's going to take a Kevin Oakley to decide to build to buy a bike, but but they did a That's great true. job of sticking around long enough that once the emotion peaked, and I could justify it quickly with a with a stupid uh, logic reason that made sense to me at the time, I pulled the trigger on one really expensive exercise bike, and I love it. It's great. Awesome. It's you just got like a fifty percent off coupon. Were they on any specific channel more than others, or were they really on everything? Well, they, they were everywhere. on, they were on the socials. Um, they were on Instagram, yeah. especially on the holidays was the big push. And that's when I, I actually added it to my cart and I just didn't do it. Um, but Man. I mean, mostly digital, but then of course they do have every once in a while, the well-placed t- TV ad. Yes, I did say that. Um, I don't TV. even know what it is that I watch on TV, but somewhere enough that, that that stuck out to me in my mind. And actually they did quite a bit of pre-roll YouTube, if I'm thinking correctly as well. Very cool. That makes yeah. sense. All right. Moving sense. on to the news machine. We got we got three really good ones this week. I'm in love with all yeah, of these. These are fun. They are. They're all futuristic. Looking forward. The first one, I feel like we talk about chatbots and robots and AI and all this <laughs> stuff quite often, which is super cool, I think. Um, so this first one is the title of it was Why Your Next Real Estate Deal Might Involve a Robot. And I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is probably talking about <laughs> chatbots on Facebook, but it's not. It's actually talking about a robot in the home, showing the home and answering uh-huh. questions. That's actually two different products they're talking about. One, it's called the Rex, R-E-X, and it's a real-life talking chatbot, essentially. Like, it walks with you around the home. I don't know how it navigates stairs. I didn't get into that, but I worried I'm about I'm pretty that. sure this has to be mostly used in California or places where there are not as many stairs. I don't know. I would think so. And so it, ha- it has preloaded questions and then it learns. And so that's, it's very cool. And the questions are always, they're answered correctly, which I think is, is super important. And the second one, Zen Place, Z-E-N Place, is just like a virtual appointment. So it, it's a think go to meeting or Zoom with this robot that moves around with you and the agent is in their office. Again, I believe this was also California where traffic is amazing. So I hear and so they could be with you at any moment, like, hey, if this works for you to be there at 8 o'clock at night, I, I can't be there, but you could be there. They could let you in remotely, and then they could follow you around with their face on the screen and talk to you. <laughs> Both were really cool, I thought. I mean, the concepts okay. were there. It, it seems efficient. We at DU Convert were all remote, so I'm a big fan of, of the efficiencies, and I think often, yeah. like, people drive, like, two hours total a day commuting. That is two times five. That's 10 hours a week. That's 40 hours a month. That's a whole month every, a week every month. That's insane. That's so much time. And so this was, um, this was amazing. What are your thoughts? Oh, I just don't know how to feel about this stuff. I mean, there's no sense in fighting it completely. And there's going to be use cases where it, where it will make sense. Um, 
the the thing that really cracks me up about this article is the, is the subheadline that says a new crop of companies, and this is by the from the Wall Street Journal of all places. So the fact that they chose this quote, I think, is awesome. New crop of companies is betting that robots will upend how properties are sold and rented. And then in quotes, it was a little weird. One client says, <laughs> and "I'm like exactly. It's totally yes. weird. Um, it is weird." But there, the what, what, why are these things even being created? I think is a more interesting question. And it's because human beings don't want to be bothered. And by the human, I'm not thinking about the human beings that are trying to buy the home. That's what everyone goes to is people don't want to be bothered when they're shopping. You know, you go in a retail store and you say, no, thanks. I don't need your help. And you, cause, cause you know, that person's not actually going to provide value. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about salespeople uh, who don't want to work nights and weekends. And I think that's interesting to me is just thinking about this stuff is being created because there's not enough people who want to show a home at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night when the customer is ready to shop. Um, and so I think, you know, these things will continue to get better. I, I think just a floating head following you around is just going to be weird for most of the population who still, you know, if my parents properly operate FaceTime oh, and I'm not just mm-hmm. staring up at the ceiling half the time that I'm talking to them, <laughs> it's a good call. So I, I, I think it, I, it's fun to keep looking at these and keeping track of it, but not going to change the game anytime soon. If you're investing in these companies, you better no, be in it for the long, soon. long game. Um, but And also, I think a lot of the stuff is PR and you could you can oh, argue yeah. with me, but it's like, when did Amazon do their drones are going to deliver stuff thing? on on the uh, Dateline or whatever that was? That was like, was like four years, years ago. ago now. Yeah, it's a Maybe, while yeah, ago. That was pure PR. Not that they aren't thinking about it, but they just wanted to get thirty minutes on a on a primetime news show to talk oh, yeah. about how innovative they are. And all those and links think... go into their website, organic traffic. All mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. What's next? Very smart. This was a fun one on Adweek. It's a short article on, it's really about changing your logo, but this is talking about Instagram. Their old logo had a lot of detail to it. And if you remember that, it looked just like Uh a camera. And then the newest one still looks like a camera, but it's like flat style with just like an outline of of a lens and like the flash in the corner. So it evolved and people are familiar with both. If you Google Instagram logo, you'll find both being used on websites, which I think is pretty funny. Um, That is funny that they're still using the old ones. And you see it's the same with like Facebook logos, but, and then even better, if you look at big brands that everyone knows, household names, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all that stuff, those logos have changed over time. So this, I decided I don't have quiz time with you, Kevin, on logos, because it is a, I think it's a very sensitive subject for most people and they have a hard time with, with it. So when do you think it's time to update your logo? And let's give context here. Builder has been in business for 30 years in the same area and it's multi-generation and they, they're selling, I don't know, 200 <laughs> homes a year. So yes. they're, they have, they have revenue, they, they're known, uh-huh. they're proud, they're successful, you know, all that, all those things there, but maybe their logo is the original one from 30 years ago. When is it yeah. time to update their logo? Well, this, what's hard about this one is, um, the, the, pride part that you talked about uh owners division presidents ceos are always going to go to it's just too dang expensive to really change our logo because it's everywhere Eh, i don't you know if it needs to be changed you don't have to 
have like this uh, pull the curtain type of moment where everything changes overnight and the new logo mm-hmm. is everywhere. Um, I think a lot of times uh, people just over focus on, on that part of it. Um, we've had clients who have made logo changes very easily and they start of course, digital where it's all quick and, 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 but I think it's, it's when you notice that the target profile of your, of your buyer has shifted, um, or, you know, if trends have changed enough, you don't, you don't want to just knee jerk though, uh, change either. So one way that I think, um, we've done this with a client before. Uh, you can survey monkey, you can pay like a hundred bucks, maybe 500 bucks if you really want to go all out and you can survey people who live in your state and you can show them your current logo and other variations that you might be thinking about and get, you know, several hundred, uh, points of feedback, just real quick. Yes. And no's from people on, is it better? Something better. How do you feel about this logo? What is this? How does this make you feel? Um, the multi-generational one is interesting because there's, you know, pull anything out of 1970 and bring it to into today. And it, it doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just Correct. your t-shirt, your pants and your dancing styles. It's also your font choices and your colors. Um, and so that's the other thing is it doesn't have to be the, the Instagram logo we're talking about. That was a pretty radical change. Um, yep. and I do think it was for the better, but it also doesn't have to be that radical for a home builder. It could literally just be, you know, we had a builder who their color was brown, not the sexiest color mm, for no. any company. And so they shifted to a blue color and a little bit of a softening of the text, but it was a big enough change that it definitely felt more current and relevant, but it didn't, it didn't require, um, you know, there are certain things that they looked at and said, it's okay if that sign has the quote unquote old logo for a little while longer, no big deal. Yeah. Um, so just, I would say, I don't know if I had to pick a random number, like no more than once a decade. And even then, Definitely. but you know, at, at some point, everyone needs a facelift, right? Gotcha. <laughs> everyone at some point. And the Honey, I'm question, not talking about you. If you ever oh listen my, to the show, that's right. if you ever listen to it, that's, that's funny. <laughs> um, and should they be afraid to do it? Like, do, do you think there'll be like a decrease in sales if they change their? No, that's from, the other thing. Like, I mean, yeah, not enough people have seen it. Not enough people care. It goes back to the same go. conversation about your your awareness levels are not high enough. I mean, here, heck, even here in Columbus, Ohio, MI Homes is the big dog in town. They're they're headquartered here. They're in seven states. Uh, I, I saw someone from that company. They had a really nice jacket on, and I said that jacket's awesome. It's got your logo. It's looked like a real nice ski jacket. And their reply was, yeah, but it's the wrong logo. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I used to have to memorize like 30 fonts in college and memorize, you know, I could see the letter K and I had to tell you which one it was from. And their logo is M and I. I'm like, I don't, I don't see what's different. So yeah, don't be afraid oh, of it. Man. If, if it don't needs be afraid. It. But you're going to have to sell it internally. If the owner came Ooh. up with it or their kid came up with it. You know, you better oh have a good way to tell some story with stories with facts to get that one approved. That's for sure. And Just let's do the last that. one. This last one's really cool, but we're going to have to do it fast because, guys, we have a special guest joining us after the break. Super, super, super excited. We're gonna... Super, super excited. Okay. So, yeah, the... but this last one's important. Let's talk about it. Here we go. It. Last one. This one ties into your recent purchase of remarketing. Um, this article by Agora Pulse, they put out there publicly what they did to get more free trials for their social management software. So they have all the ads coming in. 
and they have 5,000 free trials per month. From that, they wanted to get more free trials from people who did, did, did not sign up on that first click. So this test was Facebook versus Google Display Remarketing, or GDN, which is in AdWords, which they're different ad formats, so it's not the most fair assessment because they're completely different. But bottom line, here's the metrics on what actually happened. Facebook generated um, free, free trial leads at $13 per free trial, 42 of them in total for this test. Google Display Network generated seven free trials at $89 Ooh. per free trial. Oh, man. So, so it's not just yeah. the number, but the cost. Quantity that's and a, cost. Yeah. God, that's and they huge. Were, they were similar. They were you know, pretty much saying, here's our position in the marketplace. We are the number one rated social management platform tool, blah, 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 blah. And they both said the same story on Google Display and Facebook, but Facebook had the um, the added benefit of it had comments, it had shares, it had engagements on the post, and mm -hmm. so it just looked a whole lot better for the uh, for Agora as far as getting people to actually sign back up for the free trial. Yeah. 40, 42 free trials versus seven, a five hundred percent difference. And what I thought was really interesting, if you go to the show notes and come back and read this full article, is they didn't do Google Display Network like halfway. I think they what did they make like 13 different variations and ad yeah, sizes. They put work into it. Like yeah. it wasn't just, well, we did a 250 by 350 box and then we ran a really cool Facebook ad. I mean, they they put work into both of them. They really uh, tried. Mm -hmm. So definitely go and check it out. And and why, you know, obviously besides the obvious that they're different networks, but do you have a sense uh as to why the Facebook results were so much better? Um, well, you have the social proof. That's definitely a big part of it. The um, the post, it, I mean, it looked like a post because it's on, it's on Facebook. You could tell that it was going to a informational article. Like it was information. It wasn't like a sales pitch, which is what the Google mm -hmm. display network ad looked like. The one on Facebook was like, Hey, click here. And you get the comparison of their product versus other products. And it said, come back to our site, blah, 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 blah. And then here's why. So, I mean, it, it, it really gave more in my opinion, as far as what they're getting after they click the ad versus Google display was like, get the free trial, sign up here. We're the, we're the best number one, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much like of it, it is that it's a social management tool. And so if the ad is on a social network, on social. you're just like, maybe you're on there commenting like our next guest. I've seen yep. him personally comment on Facebook posts and you know, he does it as his own name. So if he's on there commenting, commenting back to someone who said, you guys are terrible and you're, you suck and you should stop killing rabbits and trees. And then he sees an ad about how to, you know, do this more efficiently. Maybe that he's just in the frame of mind to want that, yeah. that problem solved too. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to run some more tests of our own in a similar fashion mm -hmm. and, uh, and share them with the people. Okay. When we come back after the break, we've got our special guest first, first guest ever on the podcast and ever. listen to this 360 topic. Old habits die hard. This is going to be a fun one. Stick around. Welcome back. And welcome to our special guest. I'm not going to say who it is just yet. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple clues. He is one of the five most famous marketing people that you've ever heard talk at the Builder Show or PCBC. 
Some people say he gets a little grumpy at times. Uh, not grumpy, really, just has like, and that's why we said old habits die hard is our topic. But um, I, we affectionately say that he's just the oldest young guy uh, around. And, and honestly, I share a lot of those same opinions, which is why I'm so excited to have special guest Steve Shoemaker, the director of sales and marketing for Ideal Homes in Oklahoma. One of the things that you may not know about Steve is that he used to work with the airline industry and in particular with those miles and, and point programs and really understanding the intricacies of, of hard data and marketing uh, and how those things work together. So anything you, you want to clear up, Steve? Or Absolutely. First of all, none of that is true. So you did an outstanding job of completely fabricating my background. I have never worked in the airline industry. Um, I have no idea how point systems work. Um, they don't. No, they, they don't oh, work. Man. I have never worked, and I know that you're a little embarrassed that you one time referenced me as coming from the airline industry when I have zero experience. But the rest of the stuff you said about me is true. From I, I feel I'm honored, guys. I'm honored to be here. This is cool. This is exciting. I mean, so when I say yeah. like famous, um, yeah, like Steve has, has a some, story. Yeah, he has a story for everything. Uh, like one time we asked him in front of a group of people, "What's one of the strangest things that has ever happened at a at an event that you've held?" And you yes. went straight to like barnyard animals killing each other or something. What, what happened? Petting zoo. Yeah. Petting zoo. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had this a special a event. Story. Yeah. So we were planning an event, which we're going to talk about special events, I think, in a neighborhood uh -huh. park. And I thought, you know, let's have a petting zoo. What a great thing to have. And nobody disagreed with me. So I really patted myself on the back and I did what everybody would do. I Googled petting zoos and called the first dude that had a petting zoo <laughs> and asked no questions whatsoever. Just like, do you have a petting zoo? Can you bring it? How much is it? And it was 102 yeah. degrees that day. And the guy showed up with a oh miniature, yeah, a miniature donkey, a rooster and a rabbit. And just let, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just, he just let the donkey free in the park and then he put the rabbit and the rooster in this tiny pen in the sun. And the rooster just pecked the rabbit's head over and over again for three hours. It was really traumatic for the children. And then the, my favorite part, which I don't know if I've ever told you this, Kevin, is I looked over and the guy that ran the little petting zoo was holding the rabbit like a baby, giving it water uh -huh. because it was dehydrated. He thought he was going to lose <laughs> oh, geez. it. So I am anti-petting zoo at events. And well, so, you know, I, uh, I, I jokingly call you the old man, um, but how long have you been in marketing with home builders? 15 years. So yeah, I started, so, yeah, yeah, that's I old. started with Ideal Homes. It's, it's hard to believe 15 years ago. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. But I did not, not work in your life. 15 years. No, no, it's exactly <laughs> the same. Really, it is. That's why my job's so easy. Nothing's changed. No, okay, they, so for the uh, no for airlines. those who aren't familiar with Ideal, though, give them context. So uh, you know the thing like age, sex, location that everyone used to do in in chat rooms ten years ago. Now it's for home builders. It's you know how many units, average price point, who's your buyer profile. Give people some background on, on Ideal, so they know. Sure. Where so from. we build in the Oklahoma City metro area and build around 350 homes a year. So half of our home buyers are first time home buyers. So our real target is that first time buyer, first time move up. 
our average sales price is around 215000 which for people listening that live on the East or West Coast, they're like, holy cow, what, what can you buy for that? But um, it's a very affordable market, and we build in 15 communities around Oklahoma City. And our owners started the company in December of 89. I don't know who starts a company in December, but 1990. <laughs> so however many years that's been, they've been in business and kind of a staple of the Oklahoma City market. Yeah, 28 years. It's awesome. Yeah, good math. Good job. Good math. Very good math. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's not get too off topic or off track just because we have this uh, special guest. And we are going to bring in people from time to time, hopefully um, more often than not. So you don't just have to hear our voices on a topic and get a little extra viewpoint. But we are going to talk about old habits die hard. And in particular, Steve, yeah. Andrew and I just want to take the chance to talk around some things that, you know, builders just kind of do perhaps out of habit because they've always been done. You know, I was joking not much has changed in 15 years, but I think, um, you know, there has certainly been things that have changed. And in particular, though, there's certain things that builders are hanging on to, like, hard. Um, and I'll let yeah. Andrew kind of kick it off with the first one. But these are things that I also could have just entitled titled it Things That Steve Hates. But uh, Things That Steve <laughs> Hates. That. I like that. I like that. <laughs> the first thing that Steve hates, and I, hopefully there's hopefully there's a great story with this because I'd love to hear it. Um, Parade of Homes, they're all over. Me as a millennial, I'm 28 going on 29. That's why I did the math so easy, easy there. Um, they're kind of weird to me, this Parade of Homes. Sometimes you have to buy a ticket for them. Sometimes you don't. Like, What are your thoughts on that, Steve? Do you love them? Do you hate them? I I don't hate the parade of home, so let's just start there. But I do think <laughs> I'm not a hater. Don't bring out cynical Steve, please. I want I want this to be positive, but I'm going to tell you why I hate the parade of homes. Um, <laughs> I mean, big picture wise, it's just not good ROI for your money or your time, in my opinion. So, you know, you go market to market, and the parade of homes has kind of been a staple of of markets, especially in our industry. Some markets, it's a big deal. Some, it's small. But I just could never wrap my brain around the ROI. So a, a couple of things that hit me. One is it kind of became a big distraction. You know, that traffic for the parade is a little bit of fool's gold to your sales team. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine that uh, in another market, and he said, you're way off on that. You're nuts. We had 2,000 people come through our parade home, and we sold four homes over that two-week period of time. And I was like, wow, that's that's really great traffic. I'm glad you got some sales. Was that from parade traffic? Was it? And he couldn't tie it to parade mm -hmm. traffic. He thought it was. He was getting feedback from his sales team. And the reality was, who, who knows if, if that was repeat traffic, if there were new buyers, if it was parade. And so, you know, it becomes a distraction. It's fool's gold for the traffic. And then the the proper follow-up for that volume of traffic is rarely executed well. You know, if you think about how do you follow up with a thousand people from a, in a meaningful way. Yep. In that come through yeah. in a, in a two week period of time. So I'm a big, brand new all at once. I, so mm -hmm. I'm a big supporter of, of the industry. And I think, I think you should invest in your local HBA and the parade of homes, but just from a strict marketing outreach dollars and cents, I've always wondered, you know, back in the day when, you know, you, I don't know what people spend. We used to spend like 20, 25,000 on the parade 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. What would it look yeah. like today to take that same money and put that 
in your digital footprint in that same period of time. It's just are you asking the line home is builders just, associations yeah. to innovate, Steve, or are you talking about just as a builder itself? Well, I'm talking about the both. I mean, a lot of parades haven't caught up to the more modern ways that people look at homes. Um, you know, Andrew, you're the millennial, and you said it's weird to you. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if you're the if you're a high end custom builder, been, builds ten homes a year. I, you know, I, that's not my that's not my market. But you know the the three arguments I always hear against it or where people tell me I'm nuts is that you don't understand our parade and our market is a really big deal. Um, mm-hmm. There's thousands of people. Uh, we always sell homes from the parade is the second one I hear. And then the third one is, well, they're going to, those thousand people are going to see our home. And when they're ready to buy in a few years, they're going to remember us or they're going to tell their friends. Well, the reality <laughs> is unless you have a, you know, I went through a parade home once that had a, a kind of a whirly slide from the third floor to the first floor. I mean, your homes just aren't that special. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Oh, I think there's there's a couple other things that I, I'm thinking about as you're talking through this is one, you know, pulling your dollars now versus back then, it's totally different um, yes. algorithm that you're talking about because if a full page ad in the paper was 15 grand in Columbus back in the day, somewhere between 12 and 15, then yeah, you know, everyone pulling together two grand to to buy one ad together to per- announcing this event, that makes sense. Whereas today you take $2,000 and throw it onto a Facebook campaign for a weekend or two, you're going to you're going to make a huge splash in any metro area still. So, I think part of that is just the pooling of dollars. It doesn't especially if those dollars are going to go back into old mediums, like most home builder associations are going to do, they're going to maybe get a billboard or two, obviously a huge radio campaign, maybe a little local news thrown in there to spice things up. Right. It's, it's uh, you're pulling your dollars together to, to advertise ineffectively, perhaps. Um, what do you think about trying to piggyback on a parade of homes, but not be involved? Now I'm getting into like, Ooh, I like this. Yeah. You don't have I, to answer if you don't want to. But. No, I, I I like the idea. I like the idea. Um, you know, you, I'm going to go back to the same thing. What is your objective? You know, if your objective is to get a bunch of people through your door and expose your product to the masses, then you might as well just participate in the parade or cook hot dogs or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, one thing I didn't touch on is that the salespeople, at least the ones I know, don't like the parade. Because they don't like working the extra hours and, you know, you typically have to be open certain later times and earlier times. So I think that there's value in trying to piggyback on the parade from a digital standpoint. Um, well, yeah, I think the easiest way to do that, that that we have seen for sure is it's amazing how many people don't think to bid on terms related to the parade of homes mm-hmm. when it's going on in average. Yes. That's the easiest way to to snipe some of that uh, uh, traffic away, and we've seen good good res- results there. Um, what if okay, my my division president says we don't have a choice. Uh, by the way, if you really disagree with Steve, we want to hear from you. Show at doyouconvert.com, S H O W at doyouconvert.com. We will definitely read those emails next week when Steve isn't here to defend oh, himself. Oh, good. Um, good. <laughs> but let's say you Please. you have to participate. Um, what's, what's your thought on the, on the best way to follow up with, uh, let's say it's not a thousand, but a couple hundred extra people, what would you do, um, 
to one, try to make sure you get some type of contact information and, and two, uh, reach back out to them to figure out how many you can take off your list altogether. <laughs> well, the parade has been dead to me so long that I haven't even thought through this, but <laughs> if you're, if you're putting me on the spot and asking me, I would say, um, if, if you have to do it, if it's a cultural thing, and again, I'm going to tell you, I think you should invest in your local HBA, just don't spend your marketing dollars as yeah. a, you know, give them some money traffic. somewhere else. That's hundred percent profit for them. If you want to help. You know. Right. So the, the deal is it's hard for sales agents to execute around consistent follow-up with just the traffic they get. Mm-hmm. So that's your number one issue because they're hunters. They're seeing new traffic. Um, it's an emotional uh, career there's ups and downs. And so there's just challenges that come with that. So you enter a thousand people into the mix. You have to staff up for it and register every single person that walks through the door. I remember the last time we did the parade, one of our sales agents said, well, I didn't register these 50 people because they were parade shoppers. (laughs) You know, they weren't. So if you're going to do it, you have to register everyone and you got to tell your sales team, don't, Hey, we're not looking at conversion rates here um, mm-hmm. on this thousand units um, and, and kind of lift that burden. But you have to register absolutely 100% of people that walk through the door and have some kind of contact information. And then there has to be some kind of meaningful follow-up within the first few days after the parade. So I would, if I were doing it today, I'd probably bring our whole sales team for a good old fashioned call night, frankly, and just call, so that it's not an e-blast that's going out that's generic. Thanks for visiting our parade home. Um, you want to use that know, phone to, to actually a, make phone calls. That's that's genius. Yes, make. That and I would genius. do it in a call. I would do it in a call. You know, a call center type setting too, mm-hmm. just to make sure you touch every single person that you saw and try to maybe go on Seth Godin on you build a, a permission list from that to which you then roll into your email marketing, your follow up. Yeah. You know, and in some ways you're looking for people to say, take me off your list. That's totally fine. We don't want to annoy anybody. We want to be able to focus on the people who really do want some follow up. Um, you know, you can also give it to your inside sales team or online sales team if you have enough bandwidth there, because they probably have the tools yeah. to do that efficiently as well. But I like the idea of pulling in and doing a phone a thon uh, as well. Um, Awesome. We're going on 15 minutes almost on just this topic. We still have three more oh things that we want to hear how much you hate. So uh, I'll pull up, I'll pull up <laughs> oh the next gosh. one here. Oh, all right. Next up on the things that Steve hates, directional signs. Now, that's oh interesting gosh. to me, Steve, because that's the number one traffic source of all time at every home builder that we've ever talked to is signs. And you want you, you don't like them? What's wrong with you? Uh. I hate directional signs. This is one where you can say that I actually hate it. Uh, oh my God. Where do you want me to start? Well, first well, of all, how are people going to find you if they can't see a directional sign? Yeah. How do you get directions these days? <laughs> well, they're going to call, they're going to call a, a realtor who's going to get out their MLS book and they're going <laughs> to sift through the pages and find, no, here's, I want to draw a distinction between signages. Is that a word? Okay. Signages? Yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. So Uh on-site community signs at your entry, you know, maybe larger kind of billboard-esque signs that are on the perimeter of your community or on the the hard corner, Uh, signs within the neighborhood directing you to a model home, 
you know, I love it. Big fan. Well executed. It does great. Necessary. Right. Steve says you can Good. keep those. You can, you may keep Good. those. It's, it's, it's the bandit signs on the corners by the Seven Eleven. you know, that, it, you know, miles away from your neighborhood. That just, I, I think they're completely worthless. There's a couple of reasons. One, have you ever sat at a stop sign and been honked at because you're on your phone? And the oh, answer sure. is yes. Yeah. Have, have, Andrew, has that ever happened to you? All the time. How many times <laughs> All today? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh, four so, times today, actually. Yeah, four times. Man, so cranky if, people if, in Florida. Yeah, yeah. It's all the they're old mean people. down here. Oh, there's some old people down here. <laughs> so if you're, you know, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk that in the context of billboards said people aren't looking at your billboards because they're not even looking at the blanking road. And that's uh-huh. just a reality. If you go sit at a stoplight or a stop sign and look at the cars next to you, they have their head down. When, you know, when you get to a stop sign, you're checking that text that came in. You're looking who you missed a call from. So people aren't looking at the signage, first of all. And so I just feel like the money allocated and the time allocated is better spent elsewhere. I mean, the other thing mm-hmm. is, Kevin, you were just in New York City, right? A couple weeks ago? Yep. yep. So, so I'm assuming no you went to Times Square? Did you go I to did. Times Square? Yeah. Okay. That clutter all around your head, just that just the bright flashing lights as a consumer, we just block it out. And it's the same way with directional signs. I have this great picture. I call it Oklahoma Times Square. And it's a corner of a street that had 52 <laughs> signs on it. Like it's builder signs you're talking. Builder signs, dog houses, wow. hair salon. Uh, oh, wow. One, one just said got gophers and had a phone number, you know, so <laughs> gophers. Yeah. <laughs> So when well, I've I think seen it to that, you've seen it progress. Yeah. To that point, I remember doing a focus group of buyers when I was at Heartland in Pittsburgh and, you know, we were a second time move up builder, uh, fully custom at the time, essentially fully custom. And we had this high end neighborhood and we, we did a focus group of the first, I don't know, four or five buyers. And we brought them in, um, to see how we could gain momentum beyond those first five. And, when we got to the topic of directional signs, people had really, really strong opinions. Um, and the big insight for us was we almost ruled Heartland out because we were looking for, you know, basically a quote unquote expensive home that was well built and high quality. And we saw your bandit sign next to all the other production builder bandit signs. And so we just lumped you all together and we thought we don't want to buy mm. a home from anyone who has a sign like that. So I, I completely understand even just from a, if you do look at it, it could be harmful. And I like every once in a while I'll be in a market where I'll see a builder who has decided to completely ignore the logo or branding that they have in place. And like all of their weekend directional signs look like construction signs because someone had this genius idea that orange and black or yellow and black has the highest contrast. And so we're just going to make all of our signs look like that. I mean, it's just, Oh, so I, I don't, Andrew, do they have directionals much where you live? Um, Well, we don't have, yeah, yeah. We don't have much new construction, but we, we do have, you know, it's all existing. So there's the directionals for the open house on Sundays Uh or Saturdays. And typically, you know, it's like here and it's like, oh, that house is not a mile away. Cause that's when it's all houses, it's pretty far, but it's, it's again, just like Steve said, it's like, 
it's so far away. Why is that even here? It makes no sense. I'm not even going that direction. If it's right there at the corner, I think that makes complete sense. But when it's on the main road and it's this little tiny sign, and I agree with you, Kevin, like it just makes it feel cheap. Like that should be like a pressure washing sign or something like that that you <laughs> typically yeah. would see. Gophers. Go, yeah. Got gophers. Well, how far away in your in your let's play a little game, Steve. Um, what's the okay. furthest that you recall someone having at ideal a directional sign program for? So like miles or turns, either one, you pick it. Tell me your number that you can think of off the top of your head. I would say five miles mm-hmm. and the turns, I, that's hard to say, maybe six or eight turns, but my favorite are the ones that have the little U-turn, like you've passed us, <laughs> come back. <laughs> in fact, yeah. there's a national right. builder that just, yeah, national builder opened up in Oklahoma City last week and they sold 12 homes the first weekend. Ooh. And I didn't see a single directional sign. I didn't see, but all of the competitors in that area were like, ah, we're going to show them a thing or two. And they put directional signs all around their neighborhood, you know, before <laughs> it's open, leading them. Um, I counted seven or eight. So I think, yeah, it's it's it just comes down to uh, how people actually shop for homes today. I mean, they're going to get on their phone. This argument of they can't find me if I don't have the signs out. I think then hold water today as much nope. as it used to. Mm-mm. And then on top of that, if you're saying, well, I'm going to distract them while they're driving and hopefully they're in the market and then they're going to follow my arrows. Well, one, they're not looking at the road while they're driving and they're certainly not looking at the corner signs when they're at a stoplight. Um, it is, I mean, it, community visibility is the first thing that's mentioned when there's a neighborhood underperforming. Well, maybe people can't see us, you know, we need blimps, we need, but it's rarely <laughs> the visibility of the neighborhood yeah. That's causing an underperforming neighborhood. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that. Um, and Me also, my, my number was 22 turns. I'll never forget wow. oh at Heartland. Goodness. We were spending, um, when I saw the first invoice, it was like almost three grand a weekend on directional signs. Whoa. And I'm looking at the, like <laughs> one community would have 44 signs and was leading people away from, again, like, I mean, at least four and a half miles. That That's kind of like close in Pittsburgh time. And I was just like, can you imagine the state of somebody who has followed those signs? Let's just say you catch one and they're just like, you know, like the breadcrumbs in the fairy tale. They're just like following your signs and they get there 15 minutes later. Is anyone happy with that? No. And then the other thing that cracks me up, Steve, uh, and you maybe everyone ideal is perfect, but that same sales rep who says, uh, no one can find my model and I need weekend bandit signs out. Uh, they probably have an open flag or a sandwich sign that's supposed to go out in front of their model home that is just laying in the grass. Right? No. There's some- no. Nope. <laughs> ex- execute around the little things really matters more than the, the directional signs. And you and I have talked about it before, Kevin, that there is a placebo effect mm-hmm. that needs to be considered for directional signs. And that is for the sales agents um psyche yeah. you know yeah if they, so if they think it works it does uh let's 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 wrap up the sign part we got one more uh quick Please. topic i'm gonna limit i'm gonna limit us on that one so people okay. um ha- can can do other things in their in their time this week besides just listen to us pontificate but uh let's again kind of go back to that my owner or or director of sales says we have to have weekend signs uh what are some baby steps uh 
to, to kind of ease the pain, not make it quite so bad. I think you hinted at one of them there at the end, maybe, in terms of just the number of signs that you give per community or a distance rule. I don't know. Any thoughts there? Well, here's, here's what I would say is, one, you start from the inside out. Say, how does our signage look? Once our signage looks perfect on site, then we'll branch out. You know, mm -hmm. so you're kind of putting putting onus back on them to make sure that everything looks good. Um, you know, and then I think you make them responsible for putting it out and taking it in because that's really going to show you their commitment to it. You know, we used to have people that put them out for us. And then when we switched to telling sales agents, okay, you can put them out. You can put them out during model home hours but you have to bring them in every night because it costs the company money when they get run over, kicked over, blown away in the wind. Um, oh, that's really smart. You can, yeah. That's and so what we found is after three weeks, there were two sales agents that were committed to it. Uh -huh. And the other thing we found is when they had a higher sales volume for the month, were exceeding their goal, the signage wasn't important anymore. So they wouldn't put it out. <laughs> so um, I think you put, make them put skin in the game with their time and that shows yeah. you the level of commitment and then you go invest in those people that are committed to it yeah they're gonna, we, do, it, I, they're gonna do it well execute it well invest in it that's that's right on the money i mean I, I say the same thing about bomb bomb for sales sales teams you know people will get excited about it when mike or i are talking about it and they're like we're gonna get it for our entire sales team yeah. and i always say uh, maybe but maybe you just tell everyone to go get their own account you help them make sure it looks pretty and get the template set up, but then say, come back to me in three months. And if you're still using it, I'll reimburse you and pay for the rest of the year. Or, or, you know, again, it's that whole concept of skin in the game when you're, when you're talking about things like that, I think makes a ton of sense. Okay. Last one, Andrew, let's just do the first half of this last question. Um, just, just the first one. All right. Just the first half brokers open and go. First of all, what, what is that? And for those of you who don't watch, um, how, HGTV or that what's that other show in Bravo? Um, oh, uh, millionaire listing, million New York? something I mean, listings. Yeah, yeah. Bring I, always, the agents, I, I never the heard that out. term until that show. Yeah. Honestly, that show is something, something else. It's, so what is a broker's so, open and why do you hate it, Steve? Well, okay, <laughs> hate's a strong word. That's because I'm, I'm a big believer in strategic realtor outreach. So uh, defining a broker's open, so that's when you're going to have an event, let's call it your model home, and you're going to send invitations and go put flyers in mailboxes of realtors and send an e-blast saying, hey, realtors, we're going to have Mexican food and a drawing for some lawn chairs or some gift certificates. You show up, see our new model home, and the idea being these realtors are going to come to your model home. They're going to see it. They're going to fall in love with it, fall in love with you. And then when they have a buyer who's looking for a home, they're going to consider you. So is that a fair description of a broker's open and what the point is? Yeah. It's okay. perfect. So I think the, the breakdown comes in the, the strategy. Like I'm a big believer in having strategic marketing outreach where you try to bring offices of real estate agents into your communities and models and do presentations and talk to them. But our realtor outreach director, Tony Marbell, who's an amazing guy, he always says it's never about the event. Never. It's about what happens in the first 24 hours after an event and, you know, the next week after the event and the follow-up. And the two things I've observed from your standard brokers opens there are a lot of 
high producing, go getting real estate agents, and they're rarely at your broker's open. Mm-hmm. So that that's a little bit of the the first breakdown for me is that are you targeting the right agents to expose your community to? Um, who's your event? You know, we we want to we want to target those realtors that a have a buyer that's actively seeking homes in our price range in our area of town. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you'll have somebody that wanders through that's working with someone, but that's a low percentage. The higher percentage is that farming activities with real estate agents. And so I feel like Brokers Opens kind of becomes a crutch where it's like, hey, we're doing all this stuff. You know, activity does not equal accomplishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Would you be more of a fan of having, like, if you had a Brokers Open, you had 12 people come in. Are you saying having 12 individual conversations or coffee or lunch or is that is that what you're saying? I'm saying, yeah, somewhere along those lines. I think that you... Like I'm more of a fan of going to one real estate office. You go find a Berkshire Hathaway, a Keller Williams local office. You outreach to them and you try to get that one specific office out so that you can focus on them because then you can kind of laser guide your follow-up with them afterwards to build that relationship. Uh I mean, the reality is as a new home sales agent, your product to real estate agents is not the homes, it's you. Do they feel comfortable selling new construction? And if so, are they willing to, you know, send a buyer to you? Can they trust you? So that, that relationship building is the biggest component. And I feel like when you just have brokers opens and feed people some Mexican food and do a drawing, you don't really build that long-term relationship. It's like a quick shot of adrenaline. But what if you broadcast that uh, Mexican food and giveaway on Facebook live? Just kidding. That's just a joke. Um, wow. Well, great, great idea. Let's have a broker's open. <laughs> you, know, you see that all the time. It's like, we are pulling the drawing for what? And it's like, do any of the people watching this have context as to what's really and it's, happening? And it's bad. No, it's yeah. not like it's it's confusing to people. Uh-huh. Well, I think uh, it just, again, I'll go back to the original. What are you trying to accomplish with it? Yep. And my favorite other kind of joking thought here is how many people have a broker's open and then when that agent comes back to your website to look at the images of the home, you haven't uploaded them yet or you didn't take any. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. how much more exposure are you going to get? Or even worse, I guess, for real estate agents would be you don't have it listed in the MLS properly or accurately or with, with good content. Awesome. Well, right. Steve, thanks so That's much for hopping on hey, with thanks, us Steve. this week and explaining about all the things thanks that you, you hate. Maybe um, maybe we'll have you back on sometime to talk about the things you love. Ooh. I would love to come on and That'd talk about love. And, and thank you guys for having me on. I, the bar is now set, either low, <laughs> medium, really or high for your future <laughs> special guests. So appreciate you guys having me on. I've really enjoyed the podcast and the what, four, four episodes you've done so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. Outstanding, guys. Good yeah. work. It's, it's been, it's been a blast and we're looking forward to having other people on. And, um, and yeah, if you, if people want to reach out to you, Steve, and because you have a much better voice, uh, you have better jokes, um, how, how would people <laughs> find you, um, to reach out and connect? Well, on Twitter at Steve Shue. Ooh. I like that. Or 
Kevin, you can just give them your cell phone number and uh, forward me their messages. That'd be great. <laughs> I have been known to do that at times. Uh, where was I think I was at our summit. I started out by saying, text me any question anytime you have one. And for those first two days, it was fine. Uh, a couple weeks later, I did kind of wonder why I did that. But um, Well, awesome. and, and not to get all philosophical, you're trying to wrap up, but truly one of the greatest things in my 15-year career has been the relationships I've built in this industry and what I have learned from all the people that I've come into contact with. So I love making connections with people in our industry and learning from them and creating a dialogue and um, getting better together. Yep. And Steve, Steve is always great about sharing. It's not just on the podcast. So definitely hit him up on, on Twitter, uh, hit him up on LinkedIn, uh, get connected with him. Thanks so much for having having the time to sit down with us this week. And um, we'll definitely have you back sometime in the future. All right, and now it's time for the question of the week. Uh, this person will get a market-proof marketing T-shirt. Uh, no more books, no more other Sweet. prizes. You actually will get a T-shirt. And this They're one really goes cool. out to Amanda in Pittsburgh, who said, Hey, Kevin, I wanted to get your feedback on a few email marketing questions that I had. Uh, and she very nicely broke it down into three parts for me. Uh, quantity, sender, and source. So quantity, how many are we supposed to be sending? Because my OSC feels like we may be uh, between their follow-up and my follow-up uh, with, the, with the pretty emails that we are way over bombarding people. Uh, okay, let's just do them one at a time. So the quantity, we recommend uh, two times a month to everyone in the CRM who has not purchased a home yet. So until they buy or not die, because that's mean, but go away, we want to, or tell you to stop sending. We want, want to... Uh, send two emails a month to everyone in the database from uh, marketing that's pretty. This is not the text-only gotcha. emails that come So those from... are the pretty ones. What yeah. would be in those, like, quick move-in homes, like just news, blog posts, You got like it. That. Newsletter format. Um, we've talked about this at the summit and other, other times, but a featured article, quick move-in homes, blog posts, exactly. Um, really anything that has a true format to it and images. That's when I say pretty. Something that, obviously, you look at and you say, a salesperson didn't make this or an online salesperson didn't make it. Um, sender, who should be sending the non-plain text e-blasts that you're recommending? Um, good question, Amanda. You do not want those emails to come from your OSC and because you want to avoid that confusion that it is coming from them. But also, you want when they see the name of the online salesperson in their email inbox, you don't want to break that illusion that it is a one-to-one -one personal message whenever possible. And so you don't want to train them to say, oh, you know, uh, this person reached back out to me. Let's see what they have to say. Oh, it's a, it's a marketing newsletter. Okay. So then the next time you actually are reaching out personally, they may not be as apt to, to open it or be excited to see what you have to say. Yep. yep. That's really and important. And then um, the source. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you read this part of the question, Andrew, because this one cracks me up. Oh, this one does crack I'll read this word for word because it's a long one. Should the non-plain text evil ask come from our CRM or constant contact? That's a big question <laughs> yeah. in itself. Um, we, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, we don't currently use constant contact, but someone here wants to use it to send out these via constant contact. Um, and there'd be no reply email, but would have links to try to get them to go back to the website. Uh, yeah, basically 
Right, so two, two systems. systems. Why are we ha- why are we using two systems? Uh, whenever possible, even if you don't love the email editor in your CRM, uh, it's just a, a better, more simple practice to use the one that's built in. Uh, especially when you look at the data on yep. opens and click throughs and what they've looked at and the web tracking. Your CRM. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we love uh, Lasso, which has just recently made their email editor. Um, much more, much friendlier than it was. It's still not perfect, but it's better. But having all that tracking data tied to each user that you're sending it to, it's invaluable. And then importing and exporting contact lists. I mean, who wants to do that? That's and, terrible. Yep. And then once you, I mean, yeah, once you have your template set up for the marketing emails, you kind of that all that hard work yeah. is done as far as usability, like. Just that one time. And even just that task of importing and exporting means that you are less likely to send any out because you just mentally, you know, the harder it is to build and send, uh, the less likely it is you're going to send them out uh, at all. Um, That's what what we see. All right, uh, Amanda, we'll get a t-shirt out to you. Um, I'll shoot you an email so you can let us know your size. I guess, yeah, in the future, just when you do email, show it to youconvert.com, put in your t-shirt size. These are short sleeve t-shirts. Uh, you cannot pick a color. They come in one color, so you will like that color. Uh, but let us know your T-shirt size so that we can get these out to you sooner. <laughs> and you will love it. Uh, then later. Uh, Andrew, where can people find you at on the interwebs? Yep. Find me on the Instagram, Andrew Peak DYC. Also on Facebook, same thing, Andrew Peak DYC. And, of course, all the you know, blog posts on the website. Yep. Where can they find you at, Kevin? Uh, the best place to find the entire Do You Convert team is at doyouconvert.com. There's a little button right there at the top or the hamburger menu if you're on mobile. Uh, just go straight to our team. You can pick from any of our uh, five lovely faces. Yes, there are five of us uh, now. Uh, you awesome. can go see who all those people are. But when you go into any of those individual profiles, you will get uh, all of our social icons there uh, to reach out and touch base. And um, that's it for this week. Thanks again to Steve Shoemaker for joining us. And uh, we will see you on the next edition of Market Proof Marketing next week. <laughs>